Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Glad you're with us Wednesday afternoon. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we'll discuss Clay's decision on the recent Southwest Clay's conundrum yes, that he presented to the Twitter sphere. Give a fair foul and discuss his decision not to take a middle seat next to a colleague. Well, at least I think he did. I have strong thoughts I think about this conundrum, which I don't believe is that big of a conundrum. The injury reports are out for Thursday night football, and looking at the players who are at... So the Titans tomorrow on the road in Green Bay are going to be down five players, uh, four of which are starters. Randy Bullock, their kicker, out with a calf issue. Uh, they have signed Josh Lambeau. They had him signed to the practice squad on Monday. They're elevating him. He'll be the kicker tomorrow at Lambeau Field. Lambeau at Lambeau. Uh, Bud Dupree is out for another game. Ben Jones, starting center for the Titans, out this week. He's in concussion protocol. Amani Hooker will also miss another start. And Lonnie Johnson, one of the, the backup safeties, but in nickel and dime, he's, he's been on the field quite a bit. Um, he will also miss. Jeffrey Simmons is questionable. That means he's making the flight, which I believe departs right about now for Green Bay, Wisconsin. And Elijah Molden, uh, one of their nickel uh, defensive backs, also questionable for the, uh, for the Titans. Looking at Green Bay, two players ruled out. And um, it, looking at the Romeo Dobbs is the biggest name there. Uh, Devondre Campbell, linebacker, also out for Green Bay. So, Romeo Dobbs not playing. Those questionable uh, include Bakhtiari and uh, Elton Jenkins on the offensive line. And going through the other names here, uh, Christian Watson with an ankle. He's he's playing. Ankle issue. He's going to play on Thursday night. So, there's your updated injury report. Chad, um, you're about to see my list for the teams that I have already eliminated from playoff contention, from my mind, from my heart and my mind. but <laughs> And your soul. Yeah, and my soul. But There's I, a couple that are still attached to your soul. Yeah, and I regret this. But your heart and uh, mind have moved on. I'm going you know, to stand on the edge of a cliff every week with this uh, moving forward, and I've already done that here. Uh, so last week I eliminated the Green Bay Packers, and then they – Beat the Dallas Cowboys down 14, came back and won in overtime. The Commanders are also on my list. And uh, you know how I feel about the Jets. The Jets, Commanders, does and Packers not look good right now. are making me look awful. And uh, here, here I am looking at the Commanders in fourth in the, in the NFC East. And they continue to impress. First, they had the Eagles' first loss of the season this past Monday night. Of the three, Jets, Commanders, Packers, as far as just pure playoff hopes are concerned, which team is going to make me the make me look the most foolish of those three? 
Jets. I kind of feel the same way. I think the Jets are the one. I mean, the Commanders are easy right now after the big win over the Eagles. Yeah. But I still think it's the Jets. This was a layup, and I should have used it earlier. Pittsburgh Steelers, for me, added to this week's list. Um, dead last. I've, I haven't been going bottom of the barrel. Uh, mainly because I think uh, we've all been taking different teams, and I didn't want to just make it easy for that week. But the Steelers... Mike Tomlin doesn't lose all that often. This is one of those seasons where it's trying to figure out what you have and can he pick it and uh, revamping for an offseason. Um, although, I still like, I still like betting them. If the Saints are interesting, there, the, the Saints are a favorite on the road in, a win. in Pittsburgh, I'm taking Pittsburgh. But I'm, they're not making the postseason, and they should have easily been on my list earlier. Jets Commanders that's really just right in my eyesight right now <laughs> next to each other at two and seven. Uh, week two with the Jets, seven. That's really just sitting heavy with me right now, and I don't like that. And it is interesting you go with the Steelers after the win, even. So that's, that's bold. My elimination picks. Shall we move on to yes. mine now? Um, I feel pretty good about most of mine, Hutton, except my week one pick, as you have with, with the Commanders not feeling good about it. Washington is looking a lot better uh, in the NFC now at 5-5. Five and five, Went over the Eagles. Not feeling great about that. Feel pretty good about everything else on this list. Jeff Saturday's a good story. At least I like it. Uh, way more than Bill Cowher likes it with his win. But they're not going to keep winning. They're not going to get in the playoffs. Feel good about that. Broncos, the Broncos. They've got a terrible coach. And apparently a terrible quarterback in Russell Wilson. Texans, Panthers, Feeling great about that one. Lions feel great. Raiders, especially after this week. Losing the Colts, feel good about that one. I eliminated the Pittsburgh Steelers a week ago after the loss. Hutton decides to eliminate them after the win. This week, I will eliminate a team after a loss once again. That team is a franchise all too accustomed to losing. The Jacksonville Jaguars are my elimination pick this week. I'm with you. The Jags are out it is another lost season in Jacksonville. We can officially say that now as the losses continue to pile up. And you know th- what it does, Chad, is it sets up Jacksonville. While they're not, uh, they're not going to end up with the third straight year with the number one overall pick. They have the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence, who shows flashes of really strong play, but then ruts, right? Like the, falls in a ditch. He's able to get himself out, out of it during games. And I, considering the, the, the money they spent in free agency, and you can disagree with how they went about this, but it's not like they don't have talent. And for that matter, Christian Kirk, he was you know pointed at and said, how dare they give the type of money to Christian Kirk? Christian Kirk's been fine. There, there have been issues. They've traded James Robinson away, but they have Travis Etienne, who's playing very well. They should not be as bad as they are. No. It, it sets up that they can be bad. Like it's this is overall just a very average year for many teams across the league. Jacksonville had a really good shot of climbing the ladder, especially with Indy being what they are this year. But just keep in mind, like this next offseason, it's all in with Trevor Lawrence to figure out where he is in the pecking order for moving forward with his career in Jacksonville. Next year is it's on him. the proven I mean, type it's, it's, year. Yes. Because they've got the fifth-year option, but you, 
you want to invest in the rookie contract and you want to take advantage of all of the other pieces to the puzzle you've been adding around him. And at some point, it's on him. And he's very this, good in the two men. He's very good in the hurry up. Uh, but Hunt, he's getting that, that benefit of the doubt. Kansas City. He, but, he gets the benefit of the doubt this year only because people are treating it like year one because Urban Meyer was such a dumpster fire. Yes. Yeah. In his actual year one. And I think that's fair. I don't. I, I think it's fair, but I also think if we're sitting here at this time next year asking the same questions about him, then it's unfair because year one would have shown us a lot about him also. If this is the same the next year. If he comes out next year's lights out, shows that he's the best quarterback in the AFC South or, or the one of the top two, right. and they're in playoff contention, then I'll come back and say, totally fair to not judge well, him by year one at all. So, and then treat the Doug Peterson first year as year one for him, and then next year will be year two. But it's, it's a, you said it, if in year three he's not good, he's not good. It, it, it's done. He I mean, is, you can say what he is at that point if a year from now he's still not performing at a high level. He's 6-21 and 21 in his first 27 games. Not all of that's on him. No, I'm not even looking um, at his win-loss record. But, I'm just looking at the way he looks in games. But, but we will. he's always going to be tied to, well, he's the next Andrew Luck. And in, I mean, in many scenarios based on how we covered him through high school to Clemson, championships he is more t- more touted than Andrew Luck was at the time if you can believe that I mean if we're just comparing 12 to a couple of years ago when he was drafted point being this minimum to me a year from now we should be discussing Jacksonville the way we discuss Atlanta Atlanta is right there on the fringe of are they the seventh seed or not right and Atlanta last year, two weeks to go, they were a playoff spot, one game away from a playoff spot, one win. Um, and ultimately, I think, finished two spots out. That's where Jacksonville should be right now in this AFC. Bad division. Uh, still games to prove that they're making improvements, but I, I just have not seen enough consistency out of Lawrence. With the interceptions, the errant passes, again, some, some throws of brilliance. But overall, the consistency's not there like it should be. I really think Urban Meyer, while hurting him in his first year, his rookie year in the NFL, is also saving him from a perception standpoint right now for not being talked about as one of the possible biggest busts of all time. And I get that it's year two only. I got to see more from him. I think he's capable of it. We've seen it in flashes. You mentioned the two-minute drives. At times, he shows that ability off. I expect him to take a big leap next year. I think that's going to happen. Yeah, but if he doesn't, that's not good. That's not good for the Jags, who then are searching once again. But I think he is going to take a big leap next year. So we don't know the answer to this question: Did Clay choose the middle seat, or did he allow someone else to sit next to Tommy? Oh, we know the answer. Oh, we do. He sent it. He's he's tweeted multiple times about what he did. Okay, so uh, here's Clay's tweet, and he asked, he wanted our take on this full Southwest flight to the Patriot Wards in Florida. It's going to be no open seats on this Southwest flight. Um, Tommy Lauren is in the front row aisle. No, at the at the time, an open middle seat as he boards. Should I have sat beside her in middle seat or taken aisle seat further back in the plane? Meaning, I read this to mean he took the aisle seat because he, he wanted the aisle. He did. Um, 
which is more or less socially awkward debate discussed. So he chose to allow someone else to sit next to Tommy, and he chose the aisle seat further back in the plane. So he goes on to say, flight is an hour and a half. I think that factors in, too. <laughs> John Rich is on the same flight okay. and picked the aisle, too. So he's saying he picked the aisle seat. He's across from me. This also means many blue checks will be happy if the plane crashes, which is also very funny uh, with him and John Rich and Tommy on the flight. Um, Clay's wrong. Look, here's the deal, okay? If you know it's a full flight, and you've got – it's not – he knows Tommy – they're friendly. They're friends. It's not a weird social situation where you're sitting next to some woman you barely know or you met once that might be a colleague, but you don't really know, know her that well. They know each other well. He should have sat next to her knowing it's a full flight and not worried about the aisle seat. Right when you see her, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll go right here. Put your stuff under the seat. Sit down next to your friend, the person you know. Don't go take the aisle seat. This is a very, to me, easy answer on this. It was also... It's also the front row, so I he's know got Clay plenty very of well. This is a very Clay Travis decision. He's got plenty of legroom. I'm going to go to the aisle, and I can see Clay right now, having flown with him before. He's got his newspaper out. Yeah. He's yeah. got one leg that's completely in the aisle, blocking everyone else. He's got another one. Guy looks like, uh, as they say in the breakup, he's sitting on his toilet at home. He's got another <laughs> leg over in the middle aisle. The other leg there spread all the way out, reading his newspaper on the plane. Clay's in the wrong here. you got to sit next to your friend. Hutton, your thoughts? I, th- I think he's reading a book on Meriwether Lewis and not the, uh, not the newspaper. <laughs> I, uh, I take the, if it's the front row and it's a, a packed flight, like you and I have been on, in this situation before. I, I would much rather sit with someone I'm working with in the middle aisle than have someone else sit down in the middle seat, right? No, not knowing who it's going to be. The luck of the draw of this. I'm, well, we like, all we if all you're have boarding after or I'm boarding after, I would sit next to you or anyone I'm working with, knowing that I am taking a spot that otherwise would have been a lottery. No telling who's sitting next to you, and um, you know what uh, what they had for breakfast or lunch that day. Well, you know, there's always the the talking about the lottery. I get the a lot of times the window seat, and you're sitting there, and someone takes the aisle, and people start filing in, and you're you're. Try not to make too much eye contact, but even right. if it's a full flight, you know, and you kind of out of the side, right? You catch like the tiny woman that's walking through, <laughs> and we all do this, and we think, please sit right here next to me. Yeah, I want the five foot two, one hundred and twelve pound uh, Romanian gymnast to sit right next to me, and not the six foot five, pounds. I, I, the I six foot five, two hundred and ninety pound guy <laughs> flying by himself, who's eating. That's got a hoagie. Right. In his hand. Right. Uh, you don't want that guy sitting next to you. So you do kind of make, you play that See, weird game of roulette where you're trying to get the tiny girl to sit next to you in the, in the middle seat and hoping that happens. Or the, you know, the. But it, if it's a full flight, the, the next best thing is your buddy sits with you. Right. That's why Clay is wrong here because Tommy's playing that same game of roulette when she's watching everyone pass by thinking who's going to be the guy or girl yeah. who sits next to me. And she knows Clay. They're friendly. He could have sat there. Regardless of the people involved, if it's your friend, if it's a full flight, just sit next to your friend and get it out of the way. That eliminates all the mystery. Now, granted, takes away the possibility that the Romanian gymnast sits next to you. That's not always a good thing. But it also eliminates Very the 290-pound dude with a hoagie sitting next to you. Yeah. And that guy's more likely to arrive late and get the seaboarding. Oh, no doubt. 
the gymnast boards with Tommy. <laughs> the gymnast is in A. <laughs> is A8. Yes. And always are there. You Really, the gymnast is already seated by the time you enter to, the plane, so that's, that doesn't happen that often. But I yeah. need to find out who, who, who did grab the middle seat. You know, you're talking about jackpot. You're like last aboard, and the only open seat is the middle seat front row. I get that's uh, with the leg room and it, that's perfect. Yeah, I I get a lot of the. Um, uh, I feel like I routinely get the like husband and wife that board in the C group, and I get one or the other that sits in the middle next to me. Like it's always like, hey, I'll sit here and you sit over there. Typically the wife, but it's one of the two. <laughs> They're always like, I'll I'll sit here next to this guy and then you sit over there. That's that's usually the situation I'm in. It's a couple. And they're like trying to decide where they're going to split up and go sit. And there's a couple middle seats close to each other on separate rows. And yes. they go there. That's what I get. Um, two quick quarterback notes for the NFL weekend. Taylor Heineke starts again this week for the Washington Commanders against the Houston Texans. And Andy Dalton will start for the New Orleans Saints this week. Both of those being announced today. Coming up, speaking of quarterbacks, the Heisman race. More than an update, we will discuss the debate, or lack thereof, in a wide-open race, really, as we start to piece together who's in, who's getting invited, and who's likely to garner the most votes right now compared to two weeks from now. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Taking a look at the Heisman race. Chad, just to get us started here, do you agree that there has been less discussion about the Heisman candidates than the average college football season to this point? It's tough for me to answer that, Hutton, because you know we do the show here in Nashville and we're around Tennessee a lot and there's so much more discussion around my circles this year because of Hendon Hooker having a legitimate chance for Tennessee at the Heisman. Uh, so I, I think there's been a lot of talk about it. Um, I, I think the difference this year is there's not the guy, there's not a Bryce Young that's defending his Heisman crown that's at the top right now, and we're not asking that constant question of, can C.J. Stroud catch Bryce Young? 
Can Hendon Hooker sneak up on Bryce Young? Can Blake Corum sneak up on Bryce Young? Whoever the player is, it's a very wide open field. And I think the numbers don't completely bear that out when we get into the betting the, right. the odds at uh, for for the the Heisman. But it's to me, it's pretty spread out at least with two or three players. So C.J. Stroud right now is your odds-on favorite in Las Vegas to win the Heisman Trophy this season, followed by Hendon Hooker. He's plus 360. Running back Blake Corum from Michigan at three, and Drake May at plus 650. Caleb Williams is plus 1,200, and he's at five. You want to start at the bottom and work our way up? However you want to do it. I've got just some interesting stats with all of these guys once we go through them. Now, personal opinion on Caleb Williams. I think he has the best shot at being the outside contender that puts on a show down the stretch of the season and becomes the public favorite for a couple of reasons. We've got USC. They're seventh in the country right now in the college football playoff. They will play UCLA and then Notre Dame. Caleb Williams has a chance to close the season, I think, better than any of the other candidates at this point. And again, I'm coming from a spot where I don't think there's a ton of hype around any of these guys right now. Uh, On Monday, I asked Eddie George, former Heisman winner, he has a Heisman vote, um, which way he's leaning right now. And he, he agreed that the, the hype there isn't the same to him. He also doesn't think there has, there has been a player that has truly grabbed the majority of the vote to this point. So he does think, he was like, this will be, uh, there'll be five players in New York. It's like, I think there's three that have a really good shot at winning it. And it was Stroud, Hooker, and Caleb Williams. And that's when I said, I, Caleb Williams to me, Chad, USC had a program that won four games a year ago. Chance to go win the Pac-12, okay? Seventh in the country, but if they continue to go on this path, there's, we, there's a path to them to get to the playoff. And either Stroud or Corum will lose, right? And maybe they both play outstanding in their head-to-head matchup. But the other, the other factor here is the voters tend to go with Lincoln Riley, Right? He's known as the he, Heisman quarterback whisperer. They, they like uh, Lincoln Riley quarterback, and the stats like the Lincoln Riley quarterback even, a lot of times, too. Even with the quarterback who's not that good in Spencer Rattler, because he was playing for Lincoln Riley last year to start the year, Spencer Rattler was the odds-on favorite to win the award. We know how that turned out. My overall point, though, is there is a respect level for Lincoln Riley and what they've done at USC and I don't think the vast majority of the, the average college football fan has watched much of USC this year. They're about to. That's, that's where I'm coming from. So he's plus 1,200 now. I think we see him rise. Some value there is what you're saying. Yes. I that think we see him rise. He, he has the best shot at making a great impact on the vote. I, uh, Eddie said, he's like, look, it, it, Ohio State-Michigan is going to seal the deal for Stroud one way or the other. Um, and Hendon Hooker, Chad, something you have pointed out, not just with him, but with Tennessee right now, style points. There's not a great opportunity for him to win if he doesn't just go out and destroy these defenses he's about to face with South Carolina and Vandy, because those are the last two opportunities. Meanwhile, 
there are other players, Coram, Stroud, uh, Drake May, uh, Williams, who have a chance on national TV in marquee matchups to win the award. Uh, someone in our Agree? YouTube, yes, someone in our YouTube chat said, "Where's Will Levis?" Which made me laugh <laughs> when I saw that on on our list. Oh. Um, He's sixth. He's yeah. sixth according to the voting just, public. Just off this top five yes. from an odd standpoint. So let's start with this. It's going to be Stroud or Hooker. Okay. I believe that. I, I agree with you on Caleb Williams being the best value because he's so far down and he is only going to continue to put up stats and the USC games are only going to get bigger. Hendon Hooker, I think, is uh, at a bit of an advantage right now for this reason. They play on ESPN. Uh, and I believe this is a uh, this is a Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit game Saturday night against South Carolina. I do think that the game's on ESPN, right, at, at 6 o'clock. That helps. How you know, did being, they get uh, this game? Being on ESPN against South Carolina helps because Herb a lot Street of people are going to tune game? in. I, I believe. I think I, you're right. I'll double check that, but I think that uh, this is Fowler and Herbstreit calling. I know it's on ESPN. Who's getting the marquee Saturday game? Night. Davey's looking it up right now and give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, so that's a good spotlight game in a weird spot against the South Carolina team. Tennessee's a three-touchdown favorite. By the way, I think it's the first time they are a three-touchdown favorite on the road since 1991 as Whoa. a program against South Carolina. So a good chance to put up big numbers on, on big ESPN at night on Saturday. Chad, that you're telling me they have not been a three-touchdown favorite against Vandy on the road? Sorry, the last time they were was 1998 against Vandy. That, that's the last time when they won the national title. Man, I would have bet it's happened Road sooner games, than I mean, Vandy's only a 14-point underdog to Florida this week. It's hard to be a three-touchdown favorite on the road in the SEC. You've got to be one of the top four or five teams in the country, which Tennessee is for the first time yeah. since 1998, to have that kind of point differential on the road. Um, the game against Vandy's on SEC Network, not going to help you from a spotlight standpoint, right. but could absolutely help you from a number standpoint with yep. what he could do to the Vandy defense. So that helps. Um, C.J. Stroud, it's Ohio State. They're going to play against Michigan. That could seal the Heisman for him. You if would, he has a huge game yes. and he continues on this pace and they beat up on Michigan and he's got a big statistical game, that could, that could end up giving him the Heisman. Let me go through, though, just total yards with these guys. Blake Corum, top non-quarterback on the list, no doubt about it. Odd show that he ain't winning the Heisman. So I'm putting him out of, out of sight, out of mind. Best running back in America, best statistically, not going to win the Heisman. Drake May has, he's four yards away from 4,000 combined man. yards this year. Leads the country. 39 touchdowns with only three interceptions. This is what blows my mind about these quarterbacks. The lack of interceptions with all of them and the amount of times they throw. Hendon Hooker, 3,293 is tied, dead even, with Caleb Williams. Both have 3,293 combined yards. So they're tied for second. The difference is Caleb Williams has 37 total touchdowns and then Hooker has 29. They both only have two interceptions. Another remarkable stat to me with the lack of interceptions. Stetson Bennett goes down just a little bit, 3,039 combined yards already, but only 21 touchdowns. So a big disadvantage with number of touchdowns for Stetson Bennett. Oh, oh by the way, he's got the most interceptions of any of these quarterbacks, five which is still a pretty good number. Yes. Five interceptions all year for Stetson Bennett. That's it. C.J. Stroud, 2,833 total yards, well behind both Hooker and Williams and way behind Drake May with total yards. C.J. Stroud's not a runner. He's way more of a passer. There's not the dual threat 
that you see with Hooker and Williams with him. 34 touchdowns, though, to only four interceptions. Duggan's a bit behind him, 2,722 combined yards, 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. I say all this to say all those numbers are just, they, they boggle the mind. They're eye-popping when you look at them. And all of those interception numbers are terrific. They're so low for those quarterbacks who are throwing as much as they are. It is tough to separate. And what's going to separate it is spotlight. That's why it's going to be, I think you're right about Caleb Williams having value because now people are going to tune into USC more. USC UCLA is on Fox. They're going to get a late season bump with that. You know, People are going to tune in. I believe the um, Pac-12 championship, Davey double-checked this normally on a Friday night and it gets its own spotlight there on the Friday night of championship weekend is when they play it. That's the only game on in primetime on Friday night. He's going to get a spotlight there. Uh, there, he's going to have an opportunity with some games that people are not going to watch to do that. But the advantage goes to C.J. Stroud because he plays in the game, the game. They call it the game, the big game, right? Michigan, Ohio State, if he plays huge and they roll, I think could be his Heisman moment. Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's the story of the college football season. So that helps him. They've played in the two most viewed games of the year against Georgia and Alabama. Those are top two. That's what's going to keep him in the discussion. He has got to play great these last two weeks and continue on that pace. He started against Missouri where he is putting up just gaudy numbers and touchdown stats in these last two games, I think, to have a chance. But I think, Hutton, Vegas always knows something, right? I think Vegas has it right here. Because C.J. Stroud, even it's, though he's behind in total yards... It's not by much. He's, he's doubled the interception total of, uh, of Hidden Hooker. He's got four, and Hooker's got two. I think it's going to ultimately be Stroud because everybody's going to watch Ohio State-Michigan. Well, and the other thing, too, is like the way they go about this voting process, you get points. It's not based on like first-place votes. It's point system. So... The voters who have C.J. Stroud first, how many of those voters will have Hooker second versus third, right? I think you could see a big swap on how guys are going to vote. I mean, I'm not against the voting process per se. I just wish more voters paid attention across the board here. Yeah, I Drake think, May I, is I so think... vastly undervalued, um, and and Caleb Williams, again, has a chance to close this. So ESPN puts out their Heisman watch every week, and they poll – people within their network. This is how close it is just perception-wise. C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman on 54 points compared to Hendon Hooker's 49. But C.J. Stroud plays in the game. What if he doesn't play well? What if, you know, he has a Josh Allen performance? Just saying, it can happen here. And Michigan beat them last year. Who does it help the most? And who gets some of those votes for number one? The voting, those voting have already made up their mind on Hendon Hooker, on if they're going to vote for him or not. Before the season even finishes. They already know if it's not C.J. Stroud, it's Hendon Hooker, or they're saying it's C.J. Stroud or it is Blake Corum, or it's C.J. Stroud and it is Caleb Williams, depending on... I don't know who gets the extra votes. I would vote Hendon Hooker. I don't know if... I don't know if the average voter, and there are what, like 400 and something of them, are voting that way 
majority-wise. I think there's going to be a big mix and match. Because there hasn't been a ton of debate about it that I've heard. It's Stroud or bust for many. And if you're going with Hendon Hooker, I think the vast majority of people have made up their mind on that already. By and way, he's still second in the, in the odds in Vegas. Something that may only interest me, uh, both Harvard, Yale, and Ohio State, Michigan lay claim to the game. I thought one was known as the game and the other one was known as the big game. But they both go by the game. The game. I knew Harvard-Yale was always referred to as the game. And now Ohio State-Michigan also referred to as the game. Um, let, me, let me say something strongly about this. I believe that you should have your Heisman vote yanked if it shows that year after year you vote regionally. I don't know any good way to do this because you're saying that someone's being intellectually dishonest. They're voting with what they watch. Exactly. But if yeah. you are located in like South Bend, Indiana, and you are your top votes are always Notre Dame or Big Ten, one through three or four, if they have someone to running, and you never vote, let's say the eventual Heisman Trophy winner or runner-up in the top two spots, I really think that should be up for review because that is not right. So if there's someone out there that actually just votes C.J. Stroud one, Blake Corum two, simply because they're in the Midwest and they see all their games. That's not right. Now, if you believe that, whatever. There's no way to prove it unless you gave someone truth serum and found out what their motivations were. But I really do think that that should be looked at if someone actually is dumb enough to do it. I really think most of these voters are doing what they think is right. And they're voting you know, with with their mind and not their heart. And they're looking at the stats and they're voting for the guy they think should win the Heisman. If I laid a bet down right now, though, even though the odds wouldn't be in my favor, Caleb Williams is a great flyer at plus 1,200. It's going to be C.J. Stroud 1, Hendon Hooker 2. I don't know what happens after that, but once again, I think Vegas, we questioned Vegas earlier with LSU only a 14.5-point favorite over UAB this weekend. I think Vegas has it right here. It's, it's probably going to be C.J. Stroud. Unfortunately for Tennessee fans trying to get their first-ever Heisman Trophy winner, Probably the best program in America to not have a Heisman is Tennessee. That'd be a big one to cross off the Massive. list for them. Um, but yeah, look, as a Tennessee grad, I'll say this. I would rather Hendon Hooker win the Heisman and Tennessee go to a Sugar Bowl and miss the playoff if it meant Tennessee lost their first playoff game. Now, if Tennessee got in the playoff and won a game and Without played for a national title, what I'd rather have C.J. Stroud. If the combination was Stroud wins the Heisman, Tennessee wins a playoff game, I would take the win in the playoff game. But if it was just make the playoff and lose and Hooker win the Heisman, I would take that trade-off. You would take the trade over just knowing you have the rematch against Georgia. Yeah, if Hypothetically. I knew, if I know they're going to go, regardless of who they play, if, they, if I knew right now, you just said, there's a, a fortune teller, right? right? And they said, you can have one of two scenarios. And the scenario is Hendon Hooker wins the Heisman, but you miss out on the playoff right. and go to the Sugar Bowl instead. Doesn't matter about outcome at Sugar Bowl. Or Hendon Hooker finishes second in the Heisman and you go and win a playoff game. I would take the playoff win first. But if it was Hendon Hooker loses and Tennessee loses in the playoff, I'd rather miss the playoff and Hooker win the Heisman. Why? That may sound crazy to some. No, I'm fascinated. But I think by that's it. how I, important a, a Heisman Trophy is I think, uh, for Tennessee to to me in terms of just losing the playoff game. I think at this point, both are big. Knowing that you're fifth, if you were fourth right now and not fifth, how would you feel? 
Uh, again, if it was a loss, I mean, if you told me they won one no, but, playoff game, I'm taking that regardless of anything else. But you, but Hooker could finish. Hooker could not go to New York, and I would take a playoff win. Okay. okay. But if it was Hooker wins the, the Tennessee would need to win the playoff game, not just get what's, there. That's how important Hooker is. What's more impactful for the program? I. I Making the playoffs. It's a great a question. I, I mean, playing for a national championship is huge. If they were passed over for the, there's so many different scenarios, right? If they lose right. to South Carolina or Vandy and miss the playoff, right. well, that's a gigantic blow. Well, Andy's not winning. But the if Heisman. they went out and win big and they just get sele- selected over and finish fifth and go to the Sugar Bowl, that's still a great sales pitch after the season. They're going to have that either way to recruits of, boy, we just got robbed. In the end, to go to the playoff, we could have made some noise, but either one. I mean, it is six and one half dozen. How many the touchdown other passes does he have? Great. He's got. Um, I've got to flip through and find it. It's, it's he has twenty nine total okay. touchdowns. I so, want to say twenty five passing, maybe. Okay, this so, year, but I'll double check. Yeah, while you do that, and I can do it as well. Um, as I said, so Drake May to me, I don't know how he's not more of a story. Maybe I've just completely over. I don't think I've overlooked this, though. On a weekly basis, Carolina just kind of, they continue to win, but we don't respond to their wins the same way. It, it, Wake Forest is a difficult place to go and play over the last three years, like 19-3 and three or something. Carolina did that and did it with 448 yards passing from Drake May and three touchdown passes. He also had 71 yards rushing and a touchdown in the game, so he counted for four scores in the game. He's passed for over 3,400 yards this season. I know you went through the numbers there, but he's tied with C.J. Stroud for most touchdown passes in the nation. And um, you've, you've got this thinking, okay, that sounds like a true Heisman contender. I don't know if he would get a single first-place vote right now. And it's a great story for a one-loss Carolina program that's done everything they can do to be relevant, but I don't know if they're relevant. I'm not knocking them. I'm just, I don't know how many people have watched them play. And that's a shame because the dude is fourth in the country right now when it comes to uh, Heisman odds in Las Vegas. I don't know how many people have watched Blake Corum play. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, how many big uh, like, just mammoth matchups has Michigan been in I know, this year? But I, I mean, more people have watched him play than Carolina. You know what Michigan's second best win is this year? And I'm not joking. UConn. UConn is now bowl eligible. That may be their second best win outside of Penn State when they blew out wow. UConn early in the year. Um, it, the best wins. That's for, how miserable their schedule's been. The best wins for USC are ahead of them, hypothetically, and. Chad, knowing that you've got the the quarterback play that we have, I think this sets up for a, a really cool finish. Um, and they've got a chance to I don't yeah, Carolina's done, I believe, on the road. They went six and zero on the road this year with May at quarterback. First time in Trent program May's history. A freshman that's too. Well that's that, that's that's I why mean, I, I really think he's gonna get his trophy if he continues uh, on any path yeah, like that, this at some point. But that's why I compared him to Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, and you made a great point about just the branding of it. There is no one's even trying to brand him. Uh, well, I got to go on Twitter May. now telling me he's, he's not going to win it because he's in the ACC, and it's a basketball conference. And I said, well, did that stop Lamar Jackson? Uh, and then he, then he throws back Lamar Jackson's stat line. Lamar Jackson had over 5,200 combined yards rushing and passing his Heisman year. 
Uh, Drake May could get there <laughs> this year. They got four more games. They got two regular season. They're going to have the ACC championship. They're going to have a bowl game. He's at 4,000 right now, four yards away from that. He's probably going to get to Lamar yeah. Jackson's number. And now the, now the argument from the guy on Twitter is, oh, but it's about big moments. And what was Lamar Jackson's record that year? They lost at least two. In the biggest moment of yeah, the year, you, he failed against Clemson. You have to captivate in that season. You've got to captivate the audience. And I love when I love when people argue with me and just move the target. Yeah. Every, every time I defeat their target, their point. Well, they move the target the, to something else. The biggest issue is he's not going to win because no one pays attention to him. The same guys, some of them. I'm not ripping every Heisman voter, but there are there are voters that are no different than the AP top twenty five where you can go through and see where some fool in South Carolina has the Gamecocks ahead of other programs just because he's watched them play. Like, it, it's the same issue in many cases with the Heisman vote. And in this case, you write down three names. Or, you know, I don't... It makes no sense. Um, and I don't think... And, and Eddie George mentioned this too. He's like... A lot of the candidates this year have been on the periphery. You know, we've been watching the reigning Heisman winner play more than we have the contenders for this year's Heisman with Bryce Young. So maybe I just uh, foretold the future when I said Fowler and Herbstreet because exactly one minute ago after I said that, Ben McKee, who covers the Vols, just tweeted, television crew for Tennessee, South Carolina, play-by-play Chris Fowler, analyst Kirk Herbstreet, reporter Holly Rowe. I, yeah, I... I I think that was... How did I know that? I, I think I, it was out, yeah. I think they knew. It was in the uh, release. Then why did he tweet it one minute ago? <laughs> Maybe he's responding to us, and I'm just not seeing Guess Twitter. he's right. just looking for a It's been a weird a day on Twitter, everyone, is what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm back and forth with people. It's been fun. I, how did they get that game? I don't know. Herb Street's going from game day to Columbia, South Carolina? The option was ESPN or ESPN2. I think were the two options that were given initially when that, that schedule came out. It was either 6 or 6.30. And then once Tennessee won, it said ESPN. I think that's what activated them to ESPN, just that they didn't lose to Missouri. Oh, and they're going to be in Bozeman this weekend for Montana, Montana State. I'm guessing it's a bad week for ESPN rights to games. It's also the bad week in the SEC where you've got a lot of non-conference yeah. patsies. In the second to last week of the season, that's yeah. it's long. That, that's fair. That yeah, we've got a lot of games before the games, not the game, the games next weekend. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick three sixty. Also go to outkick.com slash bet to see those odds through DraftKings. That's outkick.com slash bet. Coming up, look ahead and we look at problems at the World Cup on Outkick three sixty. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
So glad you're with us each afternoon for Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, which includes this great radio station you're listening to and also streaming live at outkick.com. World Cup getting underway soon. Qatar, Qatar, however you want to say it. There's going to be some drama based on uh, the uh, the conditions there. They're, They're expecting upwards of 2 million people visiting for the World Cup. And last I checked, this was months ago, I believe they had around 700,000 hotel rooms. Uh, that was through uh, Sports Business Journal, I believe. We did a topic on this, Chad. They, this is the, uh, the, the dormers, are, I'll call them, uh, courtesy of Chris, Chris120778, uh, who took this for TikTok. Um, more or less tense with, I mean, not much. You've got a twin There's paper bed. for walls, uh, first off. Yeah, like fan zones. If you don't have a hotel, which, again, it's not like... You have more privacy in a group uh, uh, a room for a hospital. You, you stay, multi- multiple you're beds staying in a hospital. here because you have to, not because you want to type of deal. It's, uh, it's got a weird setup. It has that Olympic feel to it from Russia yeah. a bit here. Yeah, it's not good. Um, the country's policies also are going to be quite restrictive, and there's already reports about just how restrictive they've been. And it's so weird because it was Qatar my entire life growing up. On any map you looked at, now now it's Qatar. So I guess it's Qatar is how you pronounce it. It's Qatar because on our show like five years ago, we had the guy who was there with construct with a construction Qatari company. Qatari guy called in. And he said it. He there they say Qatar. Qatar. And that's why everybody's been pronouncing it. I, I, mean, I, asked, I asked Colin, our resident soccer aficionado, this, but I remember we were in L.A. for the Super Bowl. Yes. And there was another event going on that week, the Winter Olympics in China, and no one watched. Ratings were down tremendously across the board because of China, because the Winter Olympics were in China was the biggest part of the ratings decline, right? I wonder because of an oppressive regime and – the entire apparatus that allows FIFA to go here for the World Cup, if it affects ratings in the United States at all. The time will affect it, sure. I don't know that it will. Soccer people are going to watch no matter what, but that's a bigger topic for another day that we'll get into. By the way, uh, those tents, on average, $400 a night. Wow. With throw money. That's, uh, that's two Hampton Inns. Two, that's two, uh, two nights. Ten days in. At the Panama City Beach. Hampton Inns are much nicer. We're back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360.